To me, church is brothers and sisters who have Christ as their Lord and Savior. If Jesus is your King, your Lord, then you are my brother and sister in Christ, and we form church together. Hi there. I am Seth. This is the Can I Say This at Church podcast. I am happy that you downloaded the show. So at recording this intro, it is Memorial Day weekend and it is still hot and cold outside, much like I feel like the temperament and the temperature of at least the United States is uh, right now with just everything hot and cold, on and off, angry than not angry. And I have those same issues along with everybody else. But I'm glad that you're here. Thank you for taking the time to download the show. Send me your feedback after this one's done. I'd love to hear kind of your thoughts, anything that percolates up. Please remember to rate and review the show. It honestly does help more than you can believe. It takes 26 seconds. Just roll down, hit the stars, as many as you want to give or as few as you want to give. And leave me just a modest review. And maybe just tell a friend one of the best ways that you can help the show continue to grow especially as we're all cooped up at home, is just to tell someone, hey, here's an episode of this that you might like. Today I spoke with Tracy Rhodes, who has a book about spiritual wandering, and I think that that's the story and an accurate way to describe many of the people that come on this show, as well as many of the people that listen to the show, that we are wandering spiritually in our own 40 years of desert type of temperament and mentality. And her book is really well written. It's interlaced with the stories of so many other people as well as her own. I really enjoyed getting into it and I enjoyed talking with her as well. And so I hope that you like this show. Rate and review, Patreon, all the places. And let's do this thing. Tracy Rhodes, welcome to the show. Um, I alluded to it a minute ago for people that hurt. I did not hit record, did I? Nope, we're going to start over. I did it again. There we go. Tracy, (laughs) welcome to the show. I alluded to it a minute ago that you're the first person that I've recorded a conversation with since before Easter. So I'm rusty. Bear with me. Uh, It'll be fine. It'll, It'll be fine. We're both fully functioning adults. It'll be okay. So, but welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, One of my favorite questions is to have you tell a bit about you, which to be honest is a lot of what your book is as well. However, when you're like, you know, I've got 190 seconds because that sounds like a nice random number to assign to something. What would you think that would be important for people to go? If you don't know anything else about me, these are the things that that are of importance. Like what would you answer to that? Well, I would say, first of all, I am um, a wife. Uh, Right around Easter, we celebrated our 17th anniversary. Mm. I am a mom of one little girl who is 12 and amazing. I am a small town girl, spent my childhood living outside of a small town in a rural community. And that was in Missouri. And now I'm very much in a similar situation here in Michigan. I've been blogging since 2014. I've always loved to write. And in my previous career, I was in communications and marketing. 
And so I had a chance to do a little writing, but none of the personal memoir type stuff mm-hmm. um, that I began diving into whenever I started blogging. And whenever I first started writing again, I wasn't sure where it was going to go. I often tell people that I think I wrote myself into what I ended up writing about and firmly believe that that's that's kind of the way you have to do it. You know, I don't Mm -hmm. think you can really find your voice until you start writing about what you're passionate about. And then you start connecting with your readers and it all kind of becomes a package deal. So that's what I've been doing since 2014 and love it and continue to uh to watch that grow and kind of form me and form my readers and it's been a good journey if you were looking back in time so how long have you blogged so you've been married 17 years of which Mm -hmm. some of that there's been another human being with your daughter but prior to that like of the writing how long have you been doing that you said four years or longer than that 2014 so um, blogging for six years yeah Mm -hmm. So how has your voice changed when you look at what you're writing now? Because you talked about finding your voice. Like, how has that changed from, I guess, what it originally was? Yeah, I don't I don't know if I would say changed mm-hmm. so much as honed. Mm. Um, I think when I first started, my posts were kind of more, more random, uh, more journaling, if you will, kind of everyday stuff. And you also find that at the very beginning when you're writing your readers know nothing about you. Mm -hmm. And so you share these stories, but then as you write, you have to find either new ways to tell them, or you have to hone in on what specifically you want to continue writing about. And that's what it was for me. I think at the beginning, if you went back to those early blog posts, there was a little bit of get to know me, Um, But there was also uh, very random, you know, I might write about a spring day, I might write about being a parent, I might write about um, being a a wife. But now, more and more and more, and really pretty, probably I would say at least two years in, it became very apparent that church is what I loved writing about. Mm -hmm. I loved writing about my faith. I loved pressing in um, to those theological issues that I was reading about myself, that I was learning about. And that's kind of become where I've landed now. Not to say I'll never do do some random posts that strikes me, but um, <laughs> certainly for the most part, that that's what's piqued my interest. You should do two a year in a field that has nothing to do with any of that. Like just pick like best basketball player in your lifetime and then just something else random why not just just giggles right uh, right just to, so i don't get rusty <laughs> just, in other to, just to stretch yourself or, I to, like it. or just I to like see it. yeah um my daughter one time said that i should do an entire podcast about the color green mm. I, I don't even know what that means it was my four-year-old and she's like you should yeah. do one on green i was like why green it's a good color because it's a good i was like okay four-year-old logic I don't right? have any idea how to how to talk about the color green yeah my daughter asked me all the time uh, she said so who do you think will sell more books you or JK Rowling's <laughs> <laughs> what's and the that's answer my though? response <laughs> just laugh just laugh <laughs> they, but they really have no concept right I mean yeah yeah, they yeah, don't have concepts of a lot of things but it's it's fun I laugh so yes. hard often often with that <laughs> So you talk about finding your voice. So the first probably 25, 30 episodes of this, like I formatted these things in such a rigid script that it was really hard to have a real conversation. And then eventually Mm -hmm. I stopped caring and I actually stopped looking at who was listening. I don't even care. I know what the download numbers are now, 
because I upload these four weeks at a time. So I look at the beginning of each month. I won't look again until June because I honestly don't care anymore. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't until that time where I was like, great. And many people have said, well, you sound like a different version of you. You sound more, the people that know me well have said, you sound, you sound like you. So how have you found that your faith has stretched a bit as you've honed your voice, as you're talking specifically about religion, because as I read you on Twitter specifically, because I don't think I follow you on Facebook because I don't really Mm -hmm. follow anybody on Facebook, you ask a lot of questions, but for a lot of people when they ask questions, they get yelled at. You, however, (laughs) seem people seem to just answer in a very kind isn't the word. I don't know what the word is. Respectful. I use the word respectful a lot. So how have you found, as you've honed your voice, that that has grown or stretched kind of the way that you see faith? Personality-wise, I am very non-combative. I am a middle child who is a peacemaker through (laughs) and through. And so I think a lot of that happens naturally because of who I, I couldn't have a Twitter page where people were launching tomatoes at one another. I just I, I couldn't. I would walk away with the most anxious heart myself. And so part of it stems from my personality. But the other part is that I'm truly curious. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I have found my writing voice to be. I write to to discover. I write to awaken curiosity. The greatest compliments I ever receive are the people that tell me, you made me think. Mm. And that is exactly what I want to do because especially, um, I grew up evangelical, grew up in the Southern Baptist denomination, as you know, from the book and haven't ventured real far from that. Presbyterian, I attend a Reformed church now. And I know there are a lot of people in my church communities who just haven't questioned Mm -hmm. a lot of things. And I'm not saying that we're the only ones. I find it everywhere. But oftentimes I will picture them when I'm writing and I will think, how could I pique their interest? Mm. What would tear down the walls, remove their defenses enough that maybe they might want to explore a little bit? And that's very much what I do on Twitter too. Very rarely do I click through and read any of the replies, but yours is one that I usually do because there's a good, there's a good dialogue of honestly people that aren't even you. It's like people talking with other people. And I don't even know if you're aware that they're doing it because you're not tagged in it. You know what I mean? Like it's just people. Yeah. Which is fascinating. I read, um, more than I should on Twitter. (laughs) I'm sure I I spend too much time on there, but a couple of things to that. It's fascinating to me that I can ask a question and kind of know in my mind where I think it's going Mm -hmm. and literally it can take on a life of its own. Mm -hmm. Like normally because I word it wrong, I, you know, I, I throw so many errors and typos out into Twitter land, but I'm just trying to you know, just, just trying to start a conversation. That's all. And in real life, we don't do that impeccably. Right. And then secondly, I do read almost all of the comments to make sure that it stays uh, respectful. Hmm. And again, I'm, I'm very curious, uh, you know, what direction people take things in now, every now and then, I mean, there will be times where I'm like, these two guys have been back and forth on my thread for a week. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I check out. I, I'm not paying <laughs> much attention to those anymore. But um, for the most part, I think if I'm going to create that space, I feel like it's an important thing for me to remain a part of it yeah. as long as the conversation goes. So in reading your book, you've been in community, is it nine, ten, eight faith type traditions? So you've, you've got Southern Baptists, 
Presbyterian. I believe, I believe it's nine. It says it there on the back. It's like nine, seven, and five. <laughs> five, yeah. So nine churches, five different denominations, in six different locales. Is that just cities, or is that like regions of the planet? No, no. So yeah, <laughs> okay. like yeah. For example, in my college town, I went to two colleges, so two there, and then. Um, mm. in St. Louis, I may have counted a cup. I don't know. I'd have to go back and Doesn't matter. add it up. But yeah. So with <laughs> that, I think most people probably attend between one, maybe two, three churches in their lifetime. And probably inside that it's this Baptist church to that Baptist church or this Lutheran to that Lutheran or this Episcopal to that. You know what I mean? It's, it's in the same mm-hmm. vein. So really they're plug and play. It's, uh, I think oftentimes people show up with an expectation of what church should be. And if they don't get what they want, they just find a church that feeds them what they want to be fed because they don't want to question. They don't want to deal with these walls. Um, I Not have, only one, but I would also say comfortable. That's fair. We, yeah. we don't like to be uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. And I, I'm as guilty of that as the next person constantly. Uh, and, and so are probably you and, and everyone else. That's, I think that's a bit of humanity. But with that viewpoint of visiting different churches and different ecumenical styles, what would you actually say church is? Because I've asked a few people over the over the past weeks, because that's the one question that I wrote down that I wanted to make sure that I asked you is, mm-hmm. when you say church, because your your lens is so much different than other people's, what is church? Like, what are you calling that? Well, I will always stand by the fact that I think church is a building of some sort. And I know that drives people insane. Um, but if a person who loves church like I do, has missed their building where their people come together mm-hmm. like crazy in these last six weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I never, I'm not ever going to step away from that idea of church being a building. That being said, to me, church is brothers and sisters who have Christ as their Lord and Savior. If Jesus is your King, your Lord, then you're my brother and sister in Christ. And we form church together. Let me clarify then. The rest of the the doctrine or dogma on the level of importance, if Christ as king is the ultimate importance, where does the rest even matter? Because that seems to be what we all argue about, all of it, all the time. Sure. Um, I discuss that a lot in the book, mm-hmm. and I have gone through that a lot personally. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I still attend the church I attend. Um, and so obviously there, there are beliefs that I line up with and there are ways of, um, Bible study and worship that, uh, that speak to me, that, um, meet my faith needs, but I see them as secondary. Mm-hmm. That's how I'll say it. And I mentioned the the very first, one of the very first pages of the book is the apostles creed. And I know it's not a perfect place to land. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's important that we agree on those things. Um, I can tell you not every person who believes in Christ does, um, that there's still some shaky ground there. So like I say, much, much like my Twitter um, space, much like uh, my writing, I'm not necessarily trying to give all the answers, just trying to expand the viewpoint a little bit. I think I messaged this to you weeks ago, probably a month ago. Honestly, my, my sense of time has been warped. All of us. I, well, I've realized how much my sense of time was attached to the school calendar. And now that that's yeah. no longer there, my work calendar is pretty much the same all the time. Yeah. So I'm sure. literally time seems to be changing any, uh, yeah, I don't, 
I didn't plan to say that, but I don't remember when I said this to you, but I remember messaging you saying, I like the way that you tell stories. And I literally laughed out loud while my kids were playing in the living room because one of the stories that you tell, it's, I think it's in the mm-hmm. intro or in the very, it like is. very it's first opening be- story is, is yeah. literally walking into a church. You, can you tell that story a bit? Cause you're going to tell it better than me, but I laughed out yeah. loud about the communion and there's a Protestant, is it a Protestant alarm? Is that something like that? What, yeah. Yeah. It's the first time I attended an Ash Wednesday service mm-hmm. in a Catholic church. It was 2015. And I had gone to mass a few times um, by then and had read several books. So kind of knew what to do, if you will. So I walked in um, and I dip my hands in the holy water. I really like um, the idea of that holy water preparing my heart for worship. Mm-hmm. And so I dip my hands in the holy water and I cross myself. Um, and in the book, I say, you know, every time I think I might hear a siren with the words <laughs> Protestant alert. <laughs> But I didn't. And then I think I ended it with saying every time it's worth the risk. Yeah. Well, I, I literally laughed. My wife's like, what are you laughing about? <laughs> and she is not as in the weeds with religion as I am. She's got her <clears throat> own things and that's fine. Everybody's got their own things. Mm-hmm. I don't think she got the joke. She's like, I don't know why that's funny. I was like, oh, it's so funny. <laughs> it's, it's so funny. I, I laughed about it for Thank a few you. days. So I want to talk a bit, I want, I want to spend more time talking about your book. Who are these people interwoven in between your voice? Because for a time, and I went back and reread it, either I missed who these people are, or how did you get these stories from these other people? And then there was yeah. a cynical part of me going, maybe these are all her, and she's just writing from a different voice, which is extremely challenging. It's schizophrenic. <laughs> and then yeah. I realized that's probably not true. So. <laughs> no, um... I do have a pretty good presence on Facebook and I'm in a number of writing um, communities there. And so when I started writing the book, I put together my story first, but then we quickly felt like the story, the book would be stronger if we included the stories of various traditions and various individuals. And so I, I just kind of put feelers out. I don't think I mentioned that in the book where they came from, but, and it kind of worked in tandem. Like I knew I needed a story on, a person's childhood um, perspective of their faith. Mm -hmm. And so if somebody wrote me and said, Hey, you know, I I could write about this. Then I thought that would, that would be great. That fits right here. Um, And so I would say probably half of them are writer friends of mine. Mm -hmm. And then um, there are a couple that are personal friends of mine that didn't write, but I kind of knew where their stories would be beautiful um, in the book. And then there were, I'm thinking of two that I had never met and that I reached out. And again, I don't remember if I put it in a post or private messages. Uh, I, it was probably in these writing groups. I said, okay, I'm, I'm hoping to find these kinds of individuals. Mm-hmm. Who do you know? Mm-hmm. And I got some names reached out and they were willing to help. Yeah. I'm so trying. it was kind of a, it was a variety of people. I'm trying to find, and I can't find where I highlighted it. One of my, I think my favorite story of all of those ones, and I can't even remember the name of the person at the moment. Uh, it's the, I believe it's a young lady coming out of an Amish community. 
Yeah. And there's a rum, rum. Well, I don't know what the rum word. Springer? Sure. Rum Springer. Sure. I yeah. don't know how to say that word. I'm probably saying it wrong, but I'm, it's phonetically right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the part of that, that I liked is, um, well, I don't understand the concept of crystal. Un- that's her name, right? Crystal. Uh, hold on. I found the page now. It is. Yeah. yeah meet crystal. Meet yeah. crystal. Yeah. So the whole, the reason I find it fascinating is I don't know anything about the Amish at all. It's yeah. one of those things like, I don't know. I don't understand the concept of these districts or what an English church is. I'm assuming that means not Amish, but I don't mm-hmm. know. For, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. But there's a part in here where she says, through Rum Springer, hopefully I'm saying that right, I made some terrible decisions, none that I'm proud of and none that I regret, which I really took a lot to heart with when I think about my journey of faith of I've made some bad decisions, but yeah. all of them have led me to today. And so I'm not mad about any of those. I'm not yeah, proud of a good. lot of them either. <laughs> not proud of yeah. all of them. Uh, I'm reminded of those daily when I log into Facebook and it tells me something I wrote 20 years ago or 10 years yeah. ago. And I'm like, oh yeah. my gosh, I cannot believe the human being I was. But I related a lot to um to her story there. I thought she handled that story too with such grace um, because it, it was a hard story to tell. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like it. And this is so much of my search you know, if I meet an individual, say they come to my Bible study, I teach a Bible study on Wednesday nights. And if they come to my Bible study and grew up Catholic, okay, this is only one of many, many examples. They grew up Catholic and they come to my Bible study. And oftentimes they've never, they haven't opened a Bible. Maybe Mm -hmm. they didn't own a Bible. Mm -hmm. That just doesn't seem to be something that is as common in that tradition and they will be um, ups- they will be angry about that, and they will be mad at the Catholic Church for that, and they will feel cheated out of you know a lifetime of Bible study, what have you. But you see, as you study Scripture and as you um, live life, and as you're around healthy Christian community, that softens in them, mm-hmm. um, and that's what I saw in Crystal's story. She acknowledged the fact that this was her experience in an Amish community, but it doesn't, you know, and I love that. I think that's so, so important because I don't, we don't offer enough grace when it comes to these different traditions. We assume that the one or two stories that we have heard or the doctrine that we have been spoon fed is absolute truth. Hmm. That just doesn't sit well with me anymore. Again, not knowing anything about Rumspring, and I didn't research it, so I'm mm-hmm. probably speak. Let me put it this way: I'm going to comment on that concept very ignorantly. Mm-hmm. But a part of me found, like, I don't believe mm-hmm. if I was the father and my children were Amish that I would be strong enough to be like, "Go do what you need to do, get it out of your system, and come back. You're welcome home mm-hmm. anytime." I don't know that I trust people that much, which says something. I think it's pretty common. That's my understanding. Says some about about that's the con- that's what most people feel like. They feel like me, or they're like, "No, this is no, how we do it." I- I, d- I just think sending them off to this period of rum spring is pretty common. I've read a couple of, yeah. um, I find the whole Amish concept memoirs, terrifying. <laughs> especially for a daughter for some reason. Yeah. Yes. I, yeah. Either I, any of them. Um, yeah. so you, and I messaged it to you tonight, but I'd love to hear you talk on it a bit. Um, you say again, early on in the book, um, that when you're sharing your stories of spiritual wanderings, now you're talking about sharing your stories with your mom, correct? Mm-hmm. In this yeah. But I think you could just change the person there. That yeah. you were always advised to proceed with caution. 
And so I'd like if you could, because it also tackles into the title of the book, what do you mean when you say spiritual wanderings? And then what are you meaning when you're talking about sharing them, you know, with intentionality, et cetera? Like what is, break those mm-hmm. concepts apart a bit. Because I feel like a sure. lot of people, especially being forced at home, have to talk again. And we don't, we don't usually talk anymore. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, the the larger concept of spiritual wanderings in this book is wandering from church to church. Um, I mm. say towards the end of the book, one of the conclusions that I reach is one denomination isn't enough for me hmm. anymore. Um, I, I, I just am not convinced that any, any one group, one tradition can be a hundred percent right. And so I'm going to um, look for the wisdom from this tradition. I'm going to look for the wisdom from um, what, what this one has to offer. Um, and that, and that includes spiritual practices that includes um, prayer books, uh, had some great conversations about catechism (laughs) on Twitter. I mean, it it is across the board. I just want to be a sponge um, Mm -hmm. with my Christian brothers and sisters. And in that particular story, I was reading um, a prayer book, which in my, um, my, my mom is still Southern Baptist. And that is um, kind of an unheard of um, term, or at least, at least in my world, again, I can't, I can't say that across the board, but Um, we have our devotional books and we have perhaps like a, a Beth Moore prayer book Mm -hmm. that's kind of devotional based. Um, but that's where Beth is writing the prayers. Yeah. Okay. Perhaps that might be pushing it. (laughs) I I don't know if I should say that. I've never read any of them. So you could say whatever you want. I don't know. Jesus calling is another that's very common in evangelical circles, but what, um, Phyllis's prayer book is, it's a, I have the pocket handbook version and it's prayers of the, of the Anglican church tradition. Also, I mean, there's also some like, um, the, our father is in there. So the Lord's prayers in there. Um, but then also several passages, um, just of scripture, you know, it, it might quote a version uh, or a portion of scripture from Luke, a portion from Psalms and almost Anytime it's like that, the verses are right there with it. But then there's also these ancient um, prayers of the church. Mm-hmm. And so that's what you um, pray through. And so I was showing it to my mom and, um, you know, very excited, not not really thinking of how it would be received. And that's when she made the comment um, to proceed with caution. And I get the premise of it. Um, and I do. I um I work out my salvation with fear and trembling just as much as the next person. But what I find is that sometimes we use that fear as a blocker Mm. again, because we seek comfort and because we seek uh, the, the known, we would rather be in the known, but I have loved my experience using a prayer book, Mm -hmm. the way it settles me before I ever open my scriptures um, I, I do my Bible reading afterwards. It has not replaced it. Um, but something about those first few moments of the morning, I have not gotten um, disciplined enough to do it throughout the day yet, but I would like to. Um, something about sitting down with those prayers that are already written for me before my mind even fully turns on has been really beautiful, really powerful. I would agree. So I've started doing, um, every year I'm trying to reincorporate, re-inc- inc- I don't know what the word is, 
introduce a new concept to my faith. It's so the, over the last past two years, I did the examine, uh, and then this year in January, I started doing the Book of Common Prayer. And I actually found an app on my phone. There's a morning prayer, an afternoon prayer, and an evening prayer, and it literally just nice. pops up like, and it's not long. It's not long at all. It mm-hmm. takes mm-hmm. ninety seconds. Although I find to do it appropriately, it takes me much mm-hmm. longer than ninety seconds because it's not like I can just yeah. whip it out, say the prayer, and then go on about my business. What's what's the point? Yeah. So when I hear the word fear, what I hear is fundamentalism. Because for me, the church that I grew up in, which is an independent fundamentalist Baptist church, which mm-hmm. broke off from the SBC because the SBC wasn't, I guess, strict enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so for me, fear is be scared of doing it wrong or you were never a Christian to begin with. And so I find fear for me is kind of one of those trigger words where I'm like, I'm more focused not on biblical literalism, but I'm focused more on biblical literacy. Um, what would you say to someone that has the same issue with that word that I have, where I, I understand the concept of, of fear, <laughs> but I think so many people, especially today, I mean, MacArthur and about a lot of people just use fear in, in an unhealthy way. What would you say to someone struggling with that? It's a great question because um, th- this kind of thing happens on Twitter a lot. I will say the word fear, and I I think I know what that means in my mind. But then, like you say, it becomes a trigger word, or it means something different um, to to someone else, and you have to unpack that. Um, in my mom's case, and I think it, you know, it, and again, you read um, my stories in the book. I feel like my overall experience with church has been healthy. Mm-hmm. I was not introduced to a lot of those highly fundamentalist type teachings. I've read a couple of books recently about um, individuals who went to much more strict Baptist, still Baptist, but Baptist churches. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my word, that was not, mm-hmm. that was not my experience, you know? And so For me, in my circle, we hear the term wolf in sheep's clothing a ton. Mm -hmm. And and beware of that. And the scripture does tell us to beware of that. But sometimes I think what I refer to as fear is just anything unknown. Um, Anything that stretches them outside of that comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I asked, I, I, like I say, I attend a reformed church now. It's still very conservative. And I remember asking my pastor once, you know, can we put a basin of holy water outside of the sanctuary just for me to dip my, I don't care <laughs> if I'm the only one that uses it. Can we maybe have some holy? He just laughed, you know, and, and I was as serious as can be. And he but, thought you were joking. Well, he probably knew I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the, the point being, we would never do it that anything that uncomfortable. Um, mm. Now, some would say we would never do anything that Catholic as well. But what's wrong with holy water outside of the sanctuary? You know, I, mm-hmm. I, and the, again, it's kind of what I what I do um, is it push push those boundaries a little bit. But I do it because I have found that in doing the examine or in using. Mm-hmm. Um, Occasionally, I have a prayer rope that an um, Orthodox friend gifted me. In using those things, there's an intimacy with God mm-hmm. that you can experience. And I want that. Yeah. 
Mm -hmm. anything that's going to draw me nearer to him. Um, you know, I, I find in my writing, I, I think I did it three times today on Twitter and text. I reference the hymns a lot. Um, I grew up with a, a Baptist hymnal that I still have and love. Um, and no, I'm not big into a debate over should we be singing them or should we not? I just know that they are like, in my heart. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I look at people who grew up with the Book of Common Prayer, or I look, um, my friend gifted me with a Coptic Orthodox um, Akpia, it's another prayer book, and they're just as precious yep. to that, you know, mm-hmm. and that's what I find that so anything that draws us closer um, to God, and if I have to borrow it from another tradition, so be it. So be it. friend that uh, I was having the conversation about the difference between all the hymnals and whatnot. And it actually came from that Facebook group I was talking about. Somebody posted a, it's, I'll have to send it to you. It's actually quite funny. It's hard to describe without seeing it. And I'll try though. So there's like a, a, a band that is basically poking fun at the way that modern worship music is sung. Um, and then at the end they realize, oh, by the way, I didn't say, this is a song about Jesus. And then it just, they just continue to repeat that over and over again, but it's really good, really good. Very sarcastic, which is my, which is my jam. Um, Mm -hmm. And then he and I started texting back and forth about the, you know, the, the austerity of people getting angry about how to him, how to sing this, you're doing this wrong. That's the wrong hymnal. This song shouldn't be in the hymnal. It wasn't written correct, but et cetera, et cetera. And then he's like, you know, what's funny is, and he, and he is Eastern Orthodox. He's like, what's funny is you people can't even chant the scriptures and you're arguing about singing these songs, but you don't even know how to sing the scriptures. And I was like, he's right. I have no idea yeah. how to do that. Yeah. And it made me, it, I, I stepped aside. I was like, he's right. He's definitely right. Yeah. And, and I don't know how at all, actually. I actually went to YouTube and listened to some and I was like, I don't even know what that yeah. is, but that's I can beautiful. barely follow it. It's yes. Yeah. Yes. I need the subtitles, um, but it was beautiful. Talking about being a sponge from earlier. So have you dipped your toe, sponge, whatever, into mm. truths of other traditions? So you talk a lot about our tradition, our shared tradition mm-hmm. of Christianity in your book. You don't talk at all about other traditions. Have you done that at all? Have you found community, ecumenism, or anything like that in any other traditions as you've spiritually wandered always um kind of a next question if you will uh i i read a ton and so i anything i can get my hands on that talks about religion um especially of that memoir genre i just love to hear someone's personal narrative about it i I will read anything i can get my hands on i have not visited anywhere outside of the christian tradition Hmm. um pretty early on i figured i had my hands full (laughs) <laughs> with with this project, if you will. Mm-hmm. I'm especially drawn to Judaism mm-hmm. just because I think it, it, it points, especially um, the ancient Jewish faith, because I think it points to things that um, developed 
into Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I love the Jewish festivals. Um, there's actually, uh, she loves to say she's the one Jewish person on my launch team for the book. And she lives in New York City. And so we have never met in person. But our goal is um, to do Purim. Um, festival together or to sit down and have a uh, Passover Seder together. So she's, uh, she's very precious to me. Um, so I would say out of all of them, that one appeals to me, but really more, f- more to enhance my Christian um, tradition, I guess, to a certain degree. Um, but yet, you know, like I say, early on, I felt like this is where the spirit was taking me and kind of just followed that trajectory, but learn a lot from the books I read too. There's yeah. certainly uh, some beautiful yeah. faith out there. One of the, um, one of the, the smaller threads in your book, though you, I don't know, do you write with a passive aggressive tone or am I reading that into, so some of your jokes I find is slightly passive or is that you, or is that me reading what I want to read into it? Well, um, I struggle with sarcasm. <laughs> struggle in a good way found- or in a bad way? <laughs> I love sarcasm, Perfect. but I have found in ministry, it's not always appropriate. Correct. <laughs> You need to hear it, not read it. Yes, yes. And so um, if it is there, it's probably because a person versed in sarcasm can um, can pick that out. It's not a bad thing. Um, so the, the part that I want to pick apart is the commonality thread of churches really struggling to keep a pastor for very long. I think you talk about it at least in recent memory four or five times in the first three or four chapters. Yeah. I'm curious your take on, because you talk about it as a small kid and then a little older and then a little older and then, oh, I see what's happening here. And I, and I have also been part of a search committee and I mm-hmm. currently attend a Baptist church. And so I read all that. I was like, you know, I, I can relate to that. I yeah. didn't really understand how this worked. I kind of assumed, I don't actually know what I assumed, but I know I wasn't prepared yeah. for what I was a part of. And it took a long time. It was a long committee, but there's a lot in there. So why do you feel, do you feel like pastors burn out on churches that they're in or there are other issues going on or churches chew up pastors as in your experience? The answer is yes. Um, (laughs) I I will tell, I'll tell you, um, I have these Twitter conversations that you've referenced and some of the things that I, I read or stories that people share stick with you, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, And I remember one time I asked if people felt like their church was family to them, Hmm. current church, do Mm -hmm. they feel like you're family? All of these yeses, you know, and and finally I found it, or I haven't found it yet because we've moved to a new town, all these different stories. Not a single pastor said that Hmm. they could feel like their church was a family. And when I, pushed on a few of those it wasn't necessarily a bad thing they didn't they can't they didn't feel like they could have that kind of rapport with their congregation Mm. because they're the shepherd right or the the shepherd's guy whatever or woman Mm -hmm. whatever you want to say and of course you know writing i i knew that my childhood church struggled um with with uh having the same pastor but i didn't see that thread until i wrote um, all of it. Mm. And then surprisingly, I've had three pastors who have outlived, you know, have been in churches way longer. So I've seen both sides of the spectrum, Mm -hmm. which is interesting, but then keeping in my mind, that idea of a pastor can't feel like part of the church family. 
it, it just gave me such an interesting perspective mm. on pastors. Um, and, and yes, I think we can be hard on them. I also think they can feel that need to, um, to hold back to a certain degree. Uh, just another story to drive home my point, and then we can go on. In Bible study, it came up one time whether or not a pastor had ever stayed in the church he retired from. Hmm. And by and large, I think other than one time, the answer was no. Yep. Um, one reason why was to be sure that the new pastor could have his domain, you know, that it could become mm-hmm. his church or her church. I, I, I've only had male pastors, so I apologize, but I, I certainly don't want to create that box. But, <laughs> and then the second thing too, is that a lot of times, again, it, it wasn't, it wasn't their family that didn't feel like family. And so they moved on. Interesting. Yeah, I've had many talks with my pastor. Um, one of the things that we, we try to do, we haven't done in a while because nobody can go out and do anything, is about once a month or so, once at least every other month, we go grab a beer. You're not my pastor. Say whatever you want to say. Yeah. Because everybody needs an outlet. Everybody needs an outlet. I was having that talk. So our music minister is retiring in June, actually. And he's like, yeah, you know, I'll probably hang out for one Sunday afterwards, make sure Everybody knows what light switches turn on, what things, you know. Right. And then he's like, I don't know where I'm going to go to church, but it won't be here. It's been blessed. It's been a pleasure. And I was like, that kind of yeah. sucks. Cause Isn't that interesting? Kind of sucks. You could tell he's sad about it, though. You can hear it in his voice where he's like, I, I wish I could be here, but I don't think huh. I can be here. I haven't pushed him on it because it's not time yet. He's busy yeah. planning everything else. But, but yeah. So you referenced your daughter. Um, and this is a question that I asked a lot in the beginning of the show and I pivoted away from it because it was depressing, but I'd like to reference <laughs> it because you talk about it in your books. You talk about your, there's literally a chapter, a chapter called my daughter's church. Yeah. So I don't, I can't envision what the church looks like for me, the cynical part of me, mm-hmm. I feel like in 40 years, if the church can't figure out how to stop bickering and arguing about homosexuality and women in ministry and politics and Pick what we're arguing about. Like literally just open up your Facebook and pick what we're arguing about. That the church will be like an Amish or Mennonite community that people are like, oh yeah, they're quaint and those Baptists can still really cook and they do their own thing and for the most part they're harmless. So who cares? Let them do what they want to do, which is not what I want. So what do you see the church being? I mean, honestly, when my child and your child are our age, because I'm absolutely terrified of it. Yeah, just had this discussion on social media just after the quarantine in general, you know, what are are we creating a new, you know, and I don't know if you have um, read it, Francis Chan's um, letters to the church. Mm -hmm. Are they they um, recent? mm -hmm, Maybe a year. Mm, I haven't. Maybe been out a year, but um, you know, he left his, his big growing mega church experience, um, left the country for a while. And when he came back, now he does house churches that he only allows to grow to a certain size. And if you get to, I don't remember the magic number. If you get to 10, you're forming a new house church. And, you know, obviously points to scripture um, for, for a lot of that, if we look at Acts two, but um I presented that. I, I am apologize for continuing to go to Twitter. Like I say, I'm on there way too much. Um, <laughs> if you want to have more conversations it's, with me, go to Twitter. Um, anyway, what came out that was so interesting in that conversation was there's a lot of different churches in Acts. 
all these churches that Paul went to, Philippi, Ephesus, Galatia, totally different churches. And if the city was big enough, Corinth, and then was it where that C word where Phoebe was from, big churches, small churches, house churches, uh, churches that met in the synagogue because they were still allowed, you know, Mm -hmm. and that did so much good for my heart because I thought that sounds like God. God, he's bigger than we can ask or imagine. He loves that variety. And so I'm not very cynical. I'm an eternal optimist. I think my daughter someday can go to a church very much like the one that she grew up in. Um, I I don't know if this mega church trend will still continue. Mm -hmm. Maybe, you know, maybe they'll drop back a little smaller. But I, I think churches, we know and love it whatever that means for whoever will always be findable. I hope so. I am, however, cynical, probably because I work at a bank. <laughs> I'm very, I'm just very, I just don't trust people. Oh, well, I take that back. <laughs> I trust people with measure. Um, so, so Tracy, I do want to say thank you. I, your book. I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I liked thank that it was an easy read. Um, I really liked mm-hmm. that you interwove the stories. One of the other books that I really like is actually called, um, Gosh, what a flexible faith by Bonnie Christian. And it, she, I don't know if you've read those. She endorsed books. my book. Yeah, have you read her book? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, she's yeah. got some stories mixed in there as well. If I remember yeah, right, there's a, a messianic Jew that has a story in there. A small story. Small. They're, just, they're not even stories. They're just small little interviews. Um, yeah. And they're like reading, after after she explains the um, nuts and bolts of the faith tradition, then she'll. Yeah. Yeah. And she weaved those stories in as well, which I I just like that. I like that a lot. Um, yeah. That was um, it, in the book proposal. Initially, I pointed out the fact that um, it, I felt like I was reading a lot of good books on church tradition and mm. church history and all of these different um, experiences that I was having. But oftentimes, ecumenical works especially, oftentimes are more academic in nature. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you how many times I will start a book, and I'll go ahead and read it because I'm a really curious person who likes to read. But I think to myself, my friends aren't going to pick this up. And I can't refer this to anyone. (laughs) And so, and nothing against that book. That's just Mm -hmm. the way it was. And so I very much wanted to give the average, below average, whatever reader, mm-hmm. something so they could get a taste yep. of, of what this ecumenical exploring looks like. Plug the places. So definitely Twitter and I'll link to it in the show notes. Yeah, thank Plug you. the places where people can come and contact you. And, and I will say a lot of people at interview don't respond to people on social media, but you seem to. So uh, for those listening, Hit up Tracy. I'm, I'm sure she'll talk with you. Uh, but where do people go to get the book, et cetera? Where are all the places? Yeah, yeah. Um, my blog is Traces of Faith. It's a spinoff of my name. Um, I, I don't write quite as consistently as I used to there, but mm-hmm. have not taken anything down. So you can look at six years worth of material if you'd like. <laughs> and a variation of Traces of Faith for all the social media. Facebook and Instagram are Traces of Faith blog. Twitter and um, Pinterest are traces of faith. And as far as the book, um, my, my publishers, Church Publishing Incorporated, and they do have the book available on their site. But you can go to anywhere um, mm-hmm. th- that books are sold. I've um, 
Amazon has it, uh, christianbook.com. There's a little uh, independent blog that I don't, I'm not exactly in an online bookstore, let's call it. It's called bookshop.org. Mm-hmm. Purchase a book from independent um, book booksellers. Yeah. And so it supports um, independent shops that way. So that's kind of cool. Um, Baker Books up in Grand Rapids is the Christian bookstore closest to me. Um, so that's a great online presence as well. That's all the places. <laughs> yeah. And I am happy to respond. Um, again, one of my primary purposes is creating a conversation. And I don't feel like I would be having a very good conversation if I had never participated in the conversation. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I definitely uh, I try to be reachable. Well, thank you to both your daughter, I'm sure, for giving you up yourself and your husband for your time this evening. I've enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, it was good. Thank you so much, Seth. different ending this week so i was down here recording the intro and the outro for this episode and i looked over at my son he seemed like he wanted to participate and so here we go hey this is levi thank you to the salt of the sound for your music and be blessed talk with you next week